I'm Pastor Lisa, and I want to welcome you to worship this morning. Pastor Rafe is taking some much-deserved time off. Um, it is beautiful here in South Florida. This is why we put up with the heat and the humidity and those awful palmetto bugs um, for these, these few days that we get with this kind of weather. Um, so I want to invite you to, to really enjoy our worship this morning and stand and sing with us as we begin our worship. Good morning, everyone. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord with God's wonderful people so that we can praise him together, we can pray together, we can sing together. Hallelujah. Sing together. Did you guys hear me? Sing together. So let's just open in a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you, God, for your greatness. We thank you, God, for who you are. We bless you for everything that you have done, Lord. And we thank you for bringing us through a very rough time. Today we are thankful and we are very grateful. And we ask you, God, that you come down in a mighty way today. As we sing praises and as the word go forth, Lord, we pray that it will fall on good ground, Lord. And that it will bear fruit, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. All God's people say.
How many know that the Lord is awesome? Oh, I got a quiet set of people today. How many of you know that the Lord is an awesome God? Amen. Hallelujah. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of our praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Lift your voice and sing. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of our praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty As I come into your presence, past the gates of praise, into your sanctuary, till we stand in face to face. I look upon your countenance, I see the fullness of your grace, and I can only bow down and say, Peyton and I get a chance today to talk to you about our pegs, the times in our um, faith and in our church and at New Horizon where we can find ways to pray, engage, give, and serve. One of the ways that we act out our faith is by doing something, right? We hear God's call on our heart and then we respond with our service and our prayers in the community. So today, um, one thing, there is a blood drive in the parking lot. Um, it is recommended that you have an appointment. 
However, they will be there until 1 o'clock today, so that is one way. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about an opportunity at our western campus, um, or eastern campus, or west, I don't know where it is. Anyway, Everglades. I don't know where I am half of the time. I don't know what's east, what's west. I directionally challenged, we know that. Um, but at our Everglades campus, each and every week, we are continuing to grow in community, to grow and worship together by feeding people. I mean, it's as simple as that. We take things from here to there to make sure they have fresh fruits and vegetables and meals to hand out. This past week, we were able to do a hot dog supper and have that as a drive-through. But each and every week, we are there from 2 until 6, 2.30 until 6. But I would love it if you have on your heart to work in growth and community and worship and helping families know that they have a place that they, have a, that, that they belong here, and that we love and want to offer hope. Um, this is our worship. Friday nights we worship. There's a lot of students there, so you, uh, I think a criteria is you must love kids. Um, but, you know, who doesn't love kids? So um, contact me, Pastor Payton. You can contact the church office, or I'm sure my email is all over the Internet, so I would love to have you. I'm not done yet. Sorry. Hi, I'm Pastor Payton. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, it's a new year. I don't think I've stood up here since the holidays. Maybe I'm still on vacation. Um, let's um, turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer this morning. <sighs> Take a breath. As we find ourselves at the foot of the cross, let's breathe in the goodness of our Lord. Father, this morning we pray that you will inspire and lead this ministry, this team, and this worship, and, and fill this place with your presence. Guide us today as we seek to follow your spirit and plan for serving, plan for how we can engage, how we can love others, how we can be the hands and feet of Christ in our community and in our world. We pray that all that we do and say may draw others to come close, to know you, to love, and to serve you, and to feel your presence in their lives. Father God, we pray for the world that we live in and the problems that are faced by so many. These are your children. We pray for those who live under the threat of war and hatred and poverty. We take this moment and hear in the silence our prayers of situations and places that are on our minds this morning that you have placed in our hearts. Father, we ask that you would govern the hearts and the minds of the world and the leaders and all those in authority, that they may lead and work honestly and openly for the good of your children. Father, we pray that you would hear these prayers on our hearts. Lord, we pray for our schools. We pray for our learning center. We pray for our public schools. We pray for all the schools, the staff and the children, and especially those suffering from COVID and the challenges of COVID and the decisions that have to be made. Father, we pray that you would guide us in your wisdom to keep our children safe. 
in a moment of silence, Lord, we, we stand here and we breathe in these prayers and we breathe out your grace for all those working in our schools today. Merciful God, we thank you for our nurses and doctors and healthcare facilities and all of those who care for us and our healthcare needs. We pray for those who are struggling, who are sick. We pray for those who have medical challenges and are suffering with cancer and treatments. We pray those who are afraid and don't actually know their diagnosis yet. Father, we pray that all in this community, those who are serving to care for us and those who are struggling through healing, we pray for your strength. We pray for your wisdom and your guidance and to hold each person in your care. Lord, for all those who are suffering in pain, we ask for comfort. We ask for reassurance and the warmth of your love and your healing. Faithful God, as we go out in the world from this place and as we continue each and every day, we pray that our lives may reflect your love. We pray that we can first be a reflection of your love in our families and in our church with our own children and our own community so that each and every person closest to us may see your love and grace through our actions. Lord, we seek to draw others to you, and we do that by the way that we live, the way you taught us to live. Merciful Father, hear us as we pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
be seated. What a beautiful way to to move into focus in scripture. The scripture this morning is from John 2, 1 through 11. It's a very familiar passage to us, but I hope that you can hear it this morning with fresh ears and see it with fresh eyes. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, they don't have any wine. And Jesus replied, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't yet come. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish cleansing ritual each able to hold about 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some from them and take it to the head waiter, and they did. The head waiter tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the groom. And he said, everyone serves the good wine first. They bring out the second-rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely. You kept the good wine until now. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. Help us to focus in, Lord, to set aside all the to-do lists that are going on in our heads. Put the public's list aside. Don't worry about who's going to deal with the kids later. Don't worry about dinner or lunch. Help us to really just focus in on your word. Help us to be present in this moment and to hear something wonderful and amazing that you've done in our lives. Amen? So... For those of you that know me, (laughs) it'll come as no surprise to you that I'm going to start this with a very bad joke. You've been warned. I warned you. So a minister is driving to New York to see a show, and he stopped in Connecticut for speeding. The state trooper smells alcohol in his breath and sees an empty wine bottle on the floor. And he says, sir, have you been drinking? And the minister says, just water. The trooper says, then why do I smell wine? And the minister looks down at the bottle and says, good Lord, he's done it again. (laughs) All right, I told you it was bad. I couldn't resist. But we worship a God who is in the transformation business. And it's not just the big things. It's in the little things. And one of the the things that makes this passage so relevant to us is the witness of Jesus' power to change even the smallest, simplest things into something truly amazing and praiseworthy. John tells us this story that is so deceptively simple. It's placed in an ordinary setting in an unremarkable place. Um, In fact, the stories in the Gospels are often involving food, right? The feeding of the multitudes, the last meal with the disciples. There's something special in gathering together at a table, around a meal, 
There's something special about filling a basic physical need together. Something we Methodists understand well, right? If you feed them, they will come. <laughs> there's always cake. If you're at a meeting with Methodists, there's always cake. So this is the first miracle or sign that's recorded in John's Gospel. And you might wonder, you know, just a little bit why. Why did John think that this story is important enough to record for the future, for the followers of Jesus who are to come? Does it even matter to us, this little story? Most of us have been to a wedding or two or 12. <laughs> and most of us have stories we can share about those weddings, good or bad. I have two that really stood out for me as I considered today's text. One, um, I attended when I was about 20. I had just been married, and among my friends, you know how you all get to that age where you're starting to get married together and have kids together, right? So I was the first one. I was the first married one. And so my friend asked me to be the matron of honor. It sounds a little silly for a 20-year-old girl, but there we are. I'm still insulted by it. <laughs> my friend was, um, to say it kindly, frugal. She was a very frugal woman. You know the kind, you love them, but they are never going to pick up the check if you go out to dinner with them, right? We all, we all have these friends. She even went so far as to send us a, a pattern number, not even the actual pattern, and a swatch of fabric for us to make our own dresses. Oh, yeah. I was still sewing mine five minutes before the wedding. Again, you know me. You know this is what happens. So the wedding was in the hall. The reception was in the basement. And she hired the Legion Post folks to create this spread of snacks. Not even a full meal. And it was um, unique. Uh, that red punch that no one wants to drink because it stays on your lips and tongue for the next three days, right? Fake Oreo cookies. My, my niece, when she was little, she had a little bit of a speech impediment. And we had given her a, a, one of these fake Oreo cookies. And she turns and she looks at me and she says, these cookies taste like woks. That's exactly the kind of food that was at this. And jello molds, you know, not the fun like strawberries and whipped cream and pretzel ones, the ones with like cabbage shredded in them and fruit cocktail from a can. So needless to say, we all went out and ate after this reception, right? It didn't feel much like a wedding celebration. She just met what she considered her obligation and only then just barely. Her attitude seemed to be, just let me get this part over with. And then the opposite extreme. We had friends of a friend, so we're not even in the tight circle, invite us to this wedding because they were so enthusiastic and so excited to share. They literally invited us by sending out boxes, hand-delivered, with silk flowers on the tops for this wedding invitation. Fancy. And my poor husband, formal wear was requested, and he said, oh, <laughs> picture him fiddling with the tie all night. But when we get there, we're greeted with these waitresses. They're dressed as um, southern bells, hats, gloves, the whole big deal. And they're serving daiquiris and mint juleps. So fancy. And dinner was crazy with lobster and filet mignon. I mean, you name it. They had it. And I'm a big fan of chocolate, so the dessert tables, plural, stretched across the room. Anything you can think of, and little cordial cups, little chocolate cups that you could try the different things in. Um, cigars for the men and brandy after dinner. Um, a little bit of a chauvinist thing there, but that's okay. We're taking it. Full orchestra for the ceremony. And when we left, 
to top it all off, they gave everybody half a dozen bagels, cream cheese, and the Sunday paper for breakfast, right? Huge difference in these two weddings. They were just so excited to share their special event. And, and don't hear that these two examples are about budget, because they're not. We all know that you can have a beautiful wedding on a tight budget, right? This is about the attitude. So the first one is this attitude of almost stinginess, right? Versus this attitude of extravagant generosity. And weddings today can be quite the event. I, I read something um, maybe a year ago, so it's probably even worse by now, that the average spent on a wedding was like $30,000. That's a small fortune, right? But picture for this wedding in Cana, the celebration would last not just one day, not the three days where we're at day three here, seven days. Can you imagine entertaining guests for seven days? Your family is staying with you for seven days. No stress at all, right? And the mother of Jesus is at this wedding. Notice John never names her as Mary. It is not out of um, disrespect. Um, he simply just calls her Jesus' mother. And, and we know that he has a special bond with her because we see them at the foot of the cross when Jesus says, you know, this is my mother, this is your son. So we know that it's not disdainful, that he just never calls her Mary, just like he never calls himself John. He always says the beloved disciple, right? So Jesus says his disciples are also invited. Were they invited at the last minute? You know, is that why supplies ran low? All of a sudden there's 12 extra guys bringing, you know, coming to drink the wine. Were they supposed to be YOB and they didn't, right? <laughs> we don't know. So for whatever reason, Mary, being the hostess kind of person, makes note of the wine shortage. And she calls it to Jesus' attention. We would not have this miracle without Mary. And we don't know why. So maybe it was a wedding of a relative. Maybe Mary thought marriages were worth celebrating. We can almost hear Mary saying, you know, don't worry about it. I'll talk to my son. He can fix anything. He's got this. She probably realizes the, the embarrassment that running out of wine will cause. These festivities will be halted. The host mortified to run out of wine before its time. That was an unforgettable hospitality indiscretion. That would cause huge humiliation for the host. Picture a stressed out host trying to find more wine while quietly badgering the servants. Where did you put that other bottle, right? And the servants fear, because guess who's getting blamed for this? It's not going to be the host, right? It could have been a social disaster. The couple's parents would have scrimped and saved forever to just have this happen. And family and friends are going to be really harsh if this didn't get done right. And wine also held a deep practical, just as it does for us, right? It does the same thing for us practically, um, but spiritual significance as well. The Jewish partygoers would have seen it as a sign of the blessings of joy that flow from God's hands into hearts. Um, without wine, which is the centerpiece of the feast, the celebration would come to a grinding halt. In response to Mary's statement, you hear Jesus say, Woman, Again, not as a sign of disdain, but as a sign of distance. 
He's setting up for us. This is the first miracle. Remember, so there's a lot of things that this is setting up for us to see later. Um, that his, his connection, who he owes allegiance to, is God the Father. No other human being. Remember the story of him when he's about 12 where he, he's lost and they find him and he says, where else would I be but with my father, right? He basically tells her, what does this have to do with me, woman? You aren't really mom, so what? Is what you hear. But Mary persists. She turns to address the servants. She has complete faith that he can do something about this problem. But watch what she does. She leaves room for the option for him to say no. And we can see not only her faith, but her humility. So Mary tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to. Words for us today, amen? Do whatever he tells you to. Mary knows the power of her son, and for us doing whatever Jesus commands us to is the essence of discipleship. So she models for us exactly what someone who is living a Christian life looks like. She steps out in faith, but has humility to be able to accept an answer other than the one she wants. In response to her request, Jesus orders his servants to fill the stone jars. Not just fill them, fill them to the brim is what happens. And I remember, I have some pictures for you, I remember reading about this and picturing these pretty little jars of water on the table, right? They're huge. This is the church in Cana of Galilee. We got to go there a few years ago. And in a second, that is one of the stone jars. So see how big it is? They're huge. You can flip them through a couple times if you want so they can see. So when we traveled to go see them in person, it changed the scripture for me. Because I saw the massive jars of what it was. And Jesus doesn't just come around and kind of top off everybody's wine glass or grab a couple of bottles at the 7-Eleven. He reacts with a full, extravagant outpouring. He reveals his gracious generosity. And notice, too, that Jesus has kept a pretty low profile through all of this. Nothing too flashy. The servants, of course, notice. Mary knows what's going on. The disciples, it says, believe because of what happened. Perhaps the head waiter, the steward. But otherwise, the sign just kind of goes by the wayside. The guests don't know, right? How often does this happen in our lives? Where God's grace that never leaves us, his love is constant in our lives, but there are moments where we fail to see it. We might notice the hand that gave us the wine glass, but we don't realize where it came from, or who filled it, or whose grace it represents. So why do you think John wanted us to know this, to know this passage? What does it matter to you? What does it mean to all of us? It means if Jesus can change water into wine, he can change us too. He can change me too. It's a miracle of transformation. There's hope. No matter how far away he feels, no matter what I've done or not done, I can be transformed. My simple existence can become something amazing and generous and overflowing. 
to me, it reminds me how I want to live out my life, how I want to follow Jesus. I don't always do it well. I think that's true of all of us. I hope I'm not the only one. I have a choice. I can be stingy and ungracious. I can give just because I feel like I'm supposed to. I can write that smallest check that I think I can get away with. I can do it just to impress other people and not do it for any real good reason. I can give the least time that still fills the need. I can give with a hardened heart out of obligation. Here, let me just top off your glass. We all know people like this. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's been me. Or I can recognize God's love surrounding me. I can hear the call of Jesus to serve with all of my heart. I can use his example of this overflowing generosity in my responses to the areas where I'm called to give. I know I'm not called to give to every cause that comes along, but I'm called to give something. We are each called to something for somebody. And yours isn't mine, and mine isn't yours, and it won't, it won't require the same things except it will require the same heart of generosity and love. What challenges will we face this fairly new year, right? How can we share this simple and profound truth with people around us? Will we be seen as someone who generously cares for creation? Jesus has come in this passage. Those rituals and those obligations, that water, it got replaced by hearts changed. I want to live my life to be evidence that I'm not just following some law, but that my life is a reflection of the one who gave up so much for me. I want to be transformed. I want my generosity to overflow. And I wish for you the same thing. Amen? Father God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that even in these seemingly simple stories that there is profound meaning and Lord that they're still relevant to us years later that it still matters we're so grateful that you've allowed us to delve into your word Lord and now we ask that you wiggle its way into our hearts Lord and to help us transform to help us grow in our overflowing generosity. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? Watching us now. 
We're standing here only because you made a way, Lord. Help us to follow that way. You brought us to another day. We're privileged to worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we have unity in mind and heart as we open ourselves to the movement of your Holy Spirit. As your love grows within us, may we have rich fellowship with you and with one another. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>